Welcome to Fandom Power. Hey, welcome back to Fandom Power, the show where we talk about all things pop culture. I'm your host, Wes, and today with me is uh, our producer, Andy. Hello. Today... This is going to be an interesting one, I think, because uh, this is a topic that uh, I don't know a whole lot about. And uh, Andy, I, I got to put uh, some props over to you for really going through the uh, the motions of setting this one up and, and contacting all of our guests. I hope it's going to be a great conversation. Today, we're talking about cosplay. So uh, a little brief intro here on cosplay, uh, some research I did here. And uh, so cosplay is a, a portmanteau of the words costume and play. The term is often attributed to Japanese producer Nobuyuki Takahashi, who coined the word in an article appearing in the June 1983 issue of My Anime magazine. But the origins of cosplay can be traced much further than that. As early as the late 15th century, people have been dressing up to become someone else or something else. From Venetian masquerade balls to Japanese kabuki theater, cosplay in all its form is an international phenomenon. Today, in 2020, it's virtually impossible to attend a fandom-themed convention without encountering a wide variety of characters from across multiple mediums. Whether it's film and TV, literary characters, or even fan-made original characters, all are there sharing the love of their favorite fandoms. And today, we're lucky to have some very special cosplay guests joining us to walk us through what it's like to be a cosplayer. So tonight, uh, from Snowhawk Cosplay in Barrie, Ontario, we have Ed Campbell. Hello! And from Alley Cosplay in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Allison Plato. Hi. And from Berlin Nova in Peterborough, Ontario, Amberlyn Ellis. Thanks, guys, for being Hi. here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So one of the things about the show here, our show title is obviously Fandom Power. And the idea is that the show is fandom-centric. It's, it's about the person. It's not necessarily about the thing that we're talking about. We've done uh, an extensive amount of, of discussion on Star Wars, and we, we love that stuff, but it's not necessarily about the property itself. It's about people and what it means to them and how they interact with it. So this is really about your guys' experiences, and hopefully we're going to learn something as we go through some questions we've got tonight. But with, uh, with fandom, I find, at least for me, when we start talking about fandom as a general broad topic... There's a lot of kind of crossover where, you know, fans of one particular project may be fans of, of multiple sort of uh, properties. So I just kind of want to go around and, and ask you guys, is there any particular pop culture properties or, or fandoms that you guys are particularly fond of? Um, I'd say for myself, I'm probably more into Marvel than um, anything else. Not to say that I don't like, love other fandoms. I love DC. I love Star Wars. I love all that. But if somebody was to ask me, like, what my absolute favorite is, is probably Marvel. Oh, fantastic. Um, I'm a little all over the place with my fandoms. I Most of mine are in anime, such as Black Butler and One Piece, um, some gaming with Final Fantasy, um, Star Trek and Doctor Who, um, as well as, I'd have to say, Batman. Batman is a huge fandom for me. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you find... Uh... I guess, actually, Ed, we should probably hear from you before we go to the next part. Well, uh, for me, some of my big fandoms are definitely comic books, movies, video games, action figures. I've been collecting action figures for you know pretty much my whole life. And, sure. Uh, especially here over the last couple months, I've really got 
right back into collecting action figures, especially G.I. Joe. And as far as the other stuff, like I've been a lifelong DC and Marvel fan. I can remember like some of my first superhero memories are like Batman, but back in, I'm probably a little bit older than everyone else in the group. So I'm talking like late seventies Yeah, that I remember Batman and Robin, you know, on star Wars. Like I remember, uh, what was it? Return Jedi. I actually got to see in theater in 83 when it came out. So, you know, so star Wars and star Trek and all that, it's been my life, my entire life. So all of those fandoms are just part of daily life for me. So, yeah, I find that, um, in that regards, I mean, amongst all of us, including me and Andy, I think has some would share in some of this as well, is that we all have this common, you know, at the core of it, it all boils down to it's a it's a thing we love. And it's there's this connection that, you know, like you say, Ed, you collect a lot of action figures. And I can certainly relate to that because I'm a big action figure collector, too. But even if I didn't have the, you know, those little pieces of plastic to sort of uh, you know, mull over, I would still have the connection to the things that I love because of, you know, kind of the way that they, they make me feel. Yep. So I'm not sure because I can't see everybody. I'm not sure. Was it Amber that mentioned you were uh, into anime? Yes. Okay. So interesting that, you know, of the three of you, your, your fandoms kind of really are at the heart of, of, cosplay as we understand it sort of in the the modern context that i think a lot of people associate it with uh japanese anime i'd say it's definitely a big part of it and it has its own conventions such as anime north in toronto every year That's right. and um, and it's it's amazing to see how many fandoms there are in anime just by itself i know um my my knowledge of anime kind kind of ends sort of uh, you know in the 1980s with most of the you know those early animes that were uh, brought over to North America and they were adapted for a North American market and translated and a lot of them you know translated poorly so when it comes to like the bigger world of anime I'm so ignorant when it comes to that so I find when I'm I'm at a convention and I'm seeing all these amazing costumes and these these awesome characters, and I I don't I can't relate to them because I have no idea what they are. So speaking of conventions, there guys. I mean, I assume everybody is a convention goer. I mean, it's probably one of the best ways to show off your your cosplays. Yeah, I've definitely attended a lot of conventions. How is everybody dealing with the uh, the lockdown and and not having the big shows to go to this year? <laughs> Uh, well, actually, funny enough, Ed and I were just talking about this yesterday because um, we had planned on hitting probably like, what, like six or something around their conventions this year. And um, just by sheer coincidence, every weekend or something that had planned with the convention, Ed and I have, have gotten together for a, a cosplay photo shoot of some kind. So sure, just, sure. I, <laughs> that's how we're dealing with it, I guess. I guess so. Well, like we had the original plan of being at Fan Expo. We had the plan of being Niagara Falls Comic Con, Hamilton Comic Con, uh, even March Comic Con. And it just sort of lined up, okay, well, when March was canceled, we ended up planning on getting together that weekend anyways, and we did a photo shoot. We ended up getting a photo shoot, you know, the Niagara Falls Comic Con, the rescheduled weekend, the original weekend, which right. Allison's been in my, my social bubble since the beginning. So we've been able to uh, still keep up 
cosplay content, right, uh, right. you know, responsibly. Like I know other, other people have been doing shoots where they're more socially distanced and stuff, but because Allison and I've been in each other's bubble since the beginning that we can, you know, get within six feet of each other and not wear masks. Um, right. But other photographers we've brought in, you know, we keep our distance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, how long has everybody been cosplaying for respectively? Um, since 2018. So not long, just for, for two years for me. Awesome. And how about you? Uh, as a cosplayer, um, since 2011, but I've been making costumes since I was 11 years old. So that was 1998. Right. And yourself? And so for me, I started in 2013. Right. And it started off, I was writing for a website uh, based in Southern Ontario, a comic book website. And I was interviewing cosplayers kind of like this leading up to it. Yeah. And I wanted to culminate my story is what's it like to try cosplay for the first time. So I ended up having a Thor suit commission. Oh, wow. And I cosplayed Thor and I actually got more fun and more excitement from being a cosplayer than I was in the comic book side of interviewing comic book creators. Wow. So... Yeah, within a year of cosplaying, I ended up quitting the website and focused more on cosplay and and actually got more, I could get more notoriety when I go to a comic book convention than when I had my media pass. So, yeah, so that's how basically I got into it and it's stuck ever since. It's funny that you say that. I mean, I've been to the, you know, as a vendor, I've been on the show circuit for a few years myself and I, I, we see we see a lot of cosplayers who, who come out and uh, it's a full on business for some of these people. Are any of you guys as far into cosplay that it's become a business or is it still a hobby or is it a mix of both or where are you guys at with it? Um, I have like, I'm hoping to hopefully make it into some form of career one day, but um, I was watching a video from, I think her name is like, Jenny V or something like that, but she's a huge cosplayer and she does it professionally. Sure. And she basically said, like, if you're going to do it professionally, you need to have like a good solid following before you do all that stuff. Um, so that's basically where I'm at. I'm just trying to get the, the following before I make it a business. Cause I would hate right. to all this money into it and then get, no, get nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I guess, you know, more along the lines of like, we see organizations like the 501st Legion who uh, arguably are, are are pretty handy in the costuming department for the elaborateness of some of the stuff that they're making, but they tend to do things uh, uh, charitably. Like it's not really, I mean, they're, I, they're a charity. Mm-hmm. We've mm-hmm. been to shows too where, I mean, what's the one we did? We were in Belleville that year, Andy. What was her name? Another, she's another pro cosplayer, uh, French lady. Uh, uh, I know, uh, Marie, Marie, is it Marie? That was her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I heard that she was coming, I checked out her, her Instagram and stuff. And like, you talk about wanting to have a following first and, and the way that I understand her business model is she was a fashion designer before she was a, was a cosplayer. So like, I guess that sort of speaks to, there's more than one entry point into cosplay. Mm hmm. And with someone like Marie Claude as well, she has, when you look at her content, she has a certain look, but then she also, she can build like crazy props. Yeah. Like it's yeah, a, yeah. it's amazing. 
like her workshop, like uh, if you follow her on her social media and when she was posting work in progress stuff, like some of the stuff she was building in her workshop was absolutely amazing. I got the opportunity to meet her in Kitchener a couple of years ago and she was like super down to earth and she was great. Yeah. Like I, I absolutely enjoyed talking to her. She had this she really elaborate, uh, like a spider build that she had done. I remember seeing yep. that going, Oh my God, like you, you built that at, at home. Like how did you do this? <laughs> like, it's so beyond my, my skill level. It was funny when I was talking to her as well, cause I asked her where she wasn't from Quebec and she says, well, I'm just in this little town outside of Quebec City. Right. And I said, well, like, what are you talking, like, Levy? And she says, that's exactly where I'm from. You know my town? And I'm like, I travel for work. And I'm yeah, like, sure. yeah, I was I was in your town uh, like a year ago. And I said, the the mall, I stopped at the food court to have dinner at the mall. And she, I guess maybe that's where we could connect even more because, like, I, I knew exactly where she was from. And, and, you know, she lived in that area. And. There's a really great comic book shop in Quebec City at the Laval Center. Right. And that's her comic book shop. And, oh, wow. You know, we bonded over that as well. So, right, and, and right. that's a really, like, if you're ever in Quebec City go and you're in, La, uh, go to Laval Center. Right. And there is a really great comic book shop there in the mall. It's like three three levels. They have everything. I've, I've never seen a comic book shop like it before. No. So Ed, you were you had mentioned uh, earlier about uh, notoriety and getting recognized, and how you had more recognition as a cosplayer than you did when you were on the media side of things. I guess I just want to yep. I want to turn that around, and I want to ask the group as cosplayers getting out on the convention circuit, what has been your your best costuming uh, costuming experience um, at a show? Um, like somebody like talking about your costume or. Not necessarily. I mean, if that, sure. I mean, people, you know, I kind of, again, as a casual fan and I've, I've stopped in the aisles in some of these shows and I've, I've just watched like fan after fan after fan approach these people and go, Hey, can I take a picture with you? Can I take a picture with you? And I'm like, Oh my God, they're like, the cosplayers are like minor celebrities in their own right. I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or stop so at least two of you for photo opportunities. Oh, well, uh, like last year, uh, fan expo, there was the DC group right. and then there was the Marvel group. And so what they do, the meetups up on the, up on the one level, they do the meetups for each fandom. Right. And we had the best reaction when we ended up doing the DC group because there was, you know, the, my gang that I normally hang out with. Sure. So we had Joker, we had Batman, Harley Quinn, I was Superman. And there were points where, you know, I judged, I judged the success of a costume by how long you have to stand in one spot. Oh, okay. And so you're, you're basically, you can't get away from one spot for a couple hours. That's why, I, that's why I figure, okay, this is really touching a nerve with people. Right. They're connecting with this character. This is what they want to see. And that's how I, I judge success. Oh, fantastic. For, yeah, if something's gone over well. So, and you were specifically dressed as Superman that time. Yeah, oh, yeah. So that one, I was awesome. uh, I have Christopher Reeve version of Superman. Oh, so fantastic. I was Superman that day. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then we on the Sunday of Fan Expo last year, we had an Asgardian group. So I was Thor. We had Loki, Lady Loki, Sif, Amora, Valkyrie, and that one went over huge as well. Oh wow. Yeah, so 
Um, I think so, the yeah, kids those are, are the best for me. Like when I was dressed up at Captain, as Captain Marvel at the Niagara Falls Comic Con, I remember I turned a corner and I was walking outside, and this little little girl like froze in her tracks and just like screamed at the top of her lungs. She's like Captain Marvel, and she like ran over to me and gave me the biggest hug ever. And I think, like, just those moments where the kids, like, come up to you and they're like, oh, my God, I love you so much. Like, can I get a picture? I saw you in your movie. And they just, like, they they, they really think that you are that character. That's, that's like, the best feeling for me is, like, being treated like you actually are that, that character that you're portraying, basically. It's amazing the investment that kids will put into, uh, you know, the idea of somebody in costume, you know, like, it's it's an, I can see it, you know, it's an easy investment to make. That's a great mm-hmm. story too. Um, my best memories were from have to be from anime North because, uh, their, their fandom again, is all over the place. But last year I went with my partner and, uh, we met up with a couple friends and we did the three brothers from one piece. So the main character is monkey D Luffy Okay. and he has two brothers, which is ACE and Sabo. And I went as Sabo and it was amazing. Oh, did we lose somebody? Wanted pictures with us. And you were uh, saying yes. uh, the three brothers. Yes. And uh, so we did a photo shoot together and um, we ended up going and joining uh, because something they do at anime North, they do it at fan expo too. And a lot of the bigger cons where they do community shoots where the fandoms of the community will meet up together and will do a photo shoot. And I got to meet so many wonderful people doing that. And it was kind of interesting because they brought their own little mini pirate ship for it and everything. They brought like oh, wow. little set stick. Oh, that's fantastic. I guess conversely then, I mean, we have all these wonderful experiences when we go to conventions and, and I've had them. Uh, and again, my experience is primarily either as an attendee or as a vendor. So conversely, there's there's the bad experiences. And I know as a again, as a dealer, I've had some bad experiences. And even even as an attendee, you know, uh, you know, there's spacing issues and, and all the things that go with attending a convention. But I've seen online, particularly in, in certain online groups where people are, are sort of talking about going to conventions and this topic comes up, has come up quite a bit. And the idea that cosplay is not, you know, uh, consent is not consent. Has that, <laughs> has that happened to any of you guys? <laughs> um, I was uh, dressed as Harley Quinn suicide at the, my very first Niagara Falls comic con. And right. that outfit in itself is very revealing. Um, so, I mean, I definitely had a lot of gentlemen, really wanting to come up to me and take a photo. Um, I had this one gentleman, um, he was kind of like following us throughout the floor. Right. And um, like, I don't want to judge because like, I don't know people. I don't know what, if they have anything going on or whatever. So he, I was just like keeping an eye because obviously you want to be cautious. Yeah, of course. Um, but he kept like watching me as I'd stop and whatever. And then eventually he finally got up the nerve to come up and he was like, excuse my language but he's like harley quinn you effing biatch like i love you so much can i get a picture with you and i was just like whoa like yeah for sure that that's okay and then like yeah arm like right around me and pulled me in really closely and i was just like holy moly like 
it's it's fine like if you want to get a picture or whatever with me and the i can understand that sometimes people have said like i've seen you they've messaged me on instagram and been like i saw you at the convention and i really right. wanted to come up to you and take a picture but i was too nervous to say anything so like i know it can be unnerving sometimes but some people can can get a bit i often intense want, <laughs> and that that mirrors a lot of the things that i had read and it, it makes me wonder you know with some people is it like do they just disconnect their brain and, and not associate the character with there is a living, breathing person in that <laughs> costume and they just suddenly forget all the normal uh, trappings of like, you know, etiquette and spacing and boundaries. And, yeah. Boundaries. Yeah. I think that my, it definitely does because I feel like when he came up to me and was like, like he, like he literally called me, he's like, Harley Quinn, but like, I feel like there must be some form of, disconnect there where it was like you're looking at me and yeah. you see the character before you see me right which is fine because like i'm a cosplayer that's what i'm doing i'm dressing up as a character i hope you see me as that yeah, character course. but also know like yes there is a, a different person underneath and even if right. i was even if i was the real harley quinn and i was margot robbie like you would still give the same respect to that person knowing that yes it's still a person underneath we're just portraying a character kind of thing right mm-hmm. how about you amber have you ever had any uh weird experiences like that Oh, yes. Um, well, I've been mostly lucky because the nature of my cosplay is um, I do a lot of crossplay. So I do a lot of male characters. And so it, it's happened a little less for me. And also my husband is usually there right with me and cosplaying right. with me when I am a woman. So together we have done Catwoman and the Penguin from the 92 uh, Batman oh, Returns. Batman Returns, yeah. I actually have a photo of that and, one. Oh, excellent. And... Um, Specifically at this convention, um, did that cosplay. Um, I had someone, another cosplayer actually, come up to me and ask me if they could do a picture with me. So they were in full costume. I figured that they would be respectful. Sure. Right when the photo was taken, he put his hand on my butt. <laughs> See, that's where I kind of, I, I just, it, it doesn't connect with me. Like, I don't understand how people can be so disrespectful. Well, yeah, I. I was more shocked than anything. Sure, sure. Was there any I sort of it and um, was there any fallout as a result of that with that person? Um, well, I told uh, I just backed away from them as soon as possible. I reported them to security. I said that there was somebody that you know touched me inappropriately, it, but because it was a smaller con and they did not consent rules in play yet, um, they I really don't think anything came of it. I think that's a, a situation where maybe I would take a serious look at maybe who the promoter is and, and uh, you know, that might be one of those, you know, oh, they're promoting a show. Maybe I just won't do that one. You know, I mean, uh, I think if you're a promoter and you're, you're having cosplay guests or, or you're having cosplay uh, just from your attendees, you need to anticipate this kind of stuff. And I don't know if maybe I would just either, you know, not attend uh, shows that were, were done that, by that promoter. But I mean, you, you have to anticipate this stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. even if you're having, let's say you're, you're hiring a professional cosplayer or even just your guests and your, your attendees who are, some of them are going to come dressed in, as their favorite characters. You, you have to have some anticipation that, that, that is a potential problem for your show. Yeah. You should be providing a higher level mm -hmm. of safety for everyone. I totally agree with that. 
So Ed, I'm not going to I'm not going to assume that this is is a is a particular uh, it's a gendered uh, issue. I, I understand that it happens both sides of the street. So um, as a male, have you ever been in a position where you've been like someone's crossed the line with you? Well, for me, I, I think there was only once or twice where it's usually when I'm Thor, right? Like when I when I'm dressed up as Thor, uh, I've had some older ladies come over and really want their picture with Thor. And yeah, I had one. I remember she grabbed my butt before she walked away. And oh. to me, I was like, ah, Hey, if, if she, if she enjoyed it, then fine. You know, I'm, I, I wasn't that worried about it. I have had, um, other friends have a little bit worse experiences. Uh, like one friend of mine who had a costume that was, her whole midriff and the sure. bottom part of her, of her top was uh, shown off, and she was rushing between a photo shoot and then coming back to the con floor to get shots with me. Right. Uh, and then when she came back, she was in tears, and I said, "Well, what was going on?" And I guess somebody asked for a shot and was able to slide a hand up under her costume, so that was really disturbing. I guess so. Um, it was like, well, who was it? But by that point, she was already flustered and had no idea what was going on. And yeah. we just couldn't identify who it was. So I just told her, I said, well, stick around me for the rest of the day and, you know, you'll be fine. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think there's a, a portion of the population who just doesn't think that this stuff happens. But I mean, it really does. And I mean, you clearly have all had experiences with it. I mean, if you had a message, for other cosplayers who are who are going out to a convention and they're worried about their safety, what what would you tell them? Um, I mean, if you're a female and you're going to a convention, try and not go alone. I mean, that's horrible to say, but like even having like a, a one friend that you're able to connect with or catch up with, like I find myself now. Um, I mean, Ed's basically my partner in crime, so like I'm not going to too many conventions unless he's there or my boyfriend's there or like somebody that I know is there that I can connect with to make sure that basically someone's watching my back and then I can watch theirs as well too. Well, that's sound advice. I think it's important to set boundaries as well. So you just know that you can say no to people if you're not feeling comfortable posing for a picture with someone because they're they're making eyes at you or they're making you feel uncomfortable. You don't have to say yes. You can say no and back away if you don't feel comfortable. And I think you hit it on the, on the nose when you, when you said about it was a smaller show and they didn't have anything in place. And I, I really want to drive that message home to anybody who's listening, who may be a promoter that, you know, you, you have to have some form of contingency in place. If you don't have a, if you don't have a written policy now, you probably should. <laughs> And I don't, yeah. and I don't I'm, mean that in a, in a, in a laughy, uh, just way. Oh, for sure. And I'm pretty sure that the conventions that it was, um, they do have a policy now in place, but yeah. at the time they didn't. You're listening to Fandom Power. Let's uh, shift gears for a second and let's talk about uh, characters and, and specifically sort of what are your uh, your favorite uh, characters 
that you find yourselves uh, doing the most or that you enjoy playing the most? Um, well, for me, it would be the um, my my go to is my Captain Marvel one, obviously. Um, the character just resonates with me. I'm when I saw the film, I was absolutely in love. And I mean, like I had heard about the character before the film and knew some of the story. But then seeing it in in the movie, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, like I, I definitely need to cosplay this. And then when I cosplay her for the first time and the reaction that I got, and like I had so many people basically be like, oh my God, like you literally look exactly like Brie Larson. Like, <laughs> I swear to God, it's you. Or people would like whisper and like, oh God, it's Brie, it's Brie Larson. So I think that one, and also with the kids reaction too, that's probably my my go-to cosplay. Right on. How about you, Amber? Mine, uh, I have my two favorites, again, because I do a lot of stuff with the anime circuit and um, Grell Sutcliffe from Black Butler. Yes. A fun, flamboyant ball of crazy. It it takes place in London, and he's a grim reaper that wears all red, and instead of using a scythe, he uses a chainsaw. So (laughs) he's a little bit of a a crazy, over-the-top kind of character, and is just so much fun to play and he walks around calling everyone darling oh, <laughs> and <wow>. is, <laughs> um, so he's very fun to play the other one that is um, that I like to do the most is Catwoman and um, that's just because she's kind of in your face and it's my most popular one it's the one that people come up to me and they say that oh my god you, your costume is amazing like Allison, I've had little kids come up to me and ask me to sign their Catwoman comics, which oh, was wow. really, really sweet. And do you sign them as Catwoman or do you sign them as, as Amber? I sign them as Catwoman. Oh, I usually sign awesome. them with a meow too. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so on the Catwoman thing, is there a particular version of Catwoman that you prefer or is it your own original uh, take on her? I do the new 52 version of Catwoman, the not the most current one, but the up to this last year that they've changed her. Costume. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm just going to jump in there for a second. And, and, and just as an aside, I, as growing up as a kid was pretty much a, a Marvel kid. And, uh, as I, as I got older, as an adult, I'm like, gee, some of this DC stuff's pretty good, but I, I'd never really bought into it. But the new 52, when they launched everything again from like issue one, I'm like, I'm in. So yay for the new 52. Thank you. <laughs> I, I love the new 52 as well. That's where I kind of jumped into comics as well. So yeah. Fantastic. Favorite character to play, Ed? How about you? Uh, well, my three top are Thor, because Thor was the first character I ever cosplayed. So I, Thor has a very special spot in my heart and actually i have mjolnir tattooed on my on my right forearm that's awesome uh captain america captain america is another big one of mine um because actually captain america i did a captain america halloween costume in, just after first avenger came out oh, okay and actually that's where i kind of entertained the idea of cosplay because the uh, big b comics and barry they knew I had a cap costume, so they yep. said, hey, could you come out and dress up as cap? So I did that before I ever started cosplaying. So that was sort of how, you know, I didn't have a problem getting into cosplay. So, yeah, cap, I've cosplayed four different versions of Captain America. And Hawkeye is my other absolute favorite to do. 
And Hawkeye was never a character I thought of cosplaying until Age of Ultron came out. Okay. And when Age of Ultron came out and then, you know, they have to go on the run. So Hawkeye says, I have a place. And they go to the farm. Right. And then you find out Hawkeye is married and Hawkeye has kids. Right. And as soon as I saw that moment, it was like, holy crap, I'm Hawkeye because we live on a farm. Yeah. And... I'm married. I've got kids. So Hawkeye is sort of like my life because when I head off to be an Avenger, you know, like Comic-Con comes up, so I get all suited up and I leave. Yeah. You know, wife and kids are at home. And then after I'm done, I come back to the farm. And you so, get to be you again. Yeah. So it, it's Hawkeye has been... Yeah, Hawkeye's been a major part of my life, actually. And, you know, I've got Mjolnir tattooed on my uh, on my right forearm, and I have a Hawkeye logo tattooed on my left one. Oh, that's fantastic. So, yeah, and I've got four different versions of Hawkeye. I've got, you know, a fifth and a sixth one planned. And, you know, so it's just Hawkeye is always a part of my life. And the other character I always said I would never cosplay but he's my favorite is Batman. I said okay. I would never do Batman unless I could do him right. Sure. And so two years ago, I invested a bunch of money into getting all the pieces to do Batman. Right. And now I have four different versions of Batman. Uh, my one suit has cost me a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, <A lot. laughs> to buy all the pieces and adapt. And, but, uh, Batman is also another character I get, like, actually my nightmare version of Batman. Right. It looks different than other people's, and it's one of my most popular photo sets I've ever done. Where, you know, when I put up a poll of, like, what's your favorite character I do? Right. And Nightmare Batman's usually top of the list. Oh, that's fantastic. I've seen a few Nightmare Batmans that are are pretty impressive. I, uh, You guys have heard, maybe you've heard of uh, Cosplay Chris, a guy from Australia? He's got a really yep. good. Uh, he's got a really good nightmare Batman suit. Yeah, no, some of them are like exactly screen accurate, but uh, I did a few different twists on mine. But also, what really helped with my photo shoot was we did it here at the farm in October. So it really helps that everything around me was brown yeah. or dead or yeah, it would. you know, like the cornfield was right there. So it just looks it looks desolate. And it really worked out well. Um, actually, Allison came to the farm one day and we shot uh, Marvel and Yon Rog. And it really worked well oh, cool. with the the blue and the red of Marvel, the green and the blue of Yon Rog. And then you just have the brown of like soybeans ready to come off yeah. or the corn. And it just made the characters pop out on screen a lot more. So it was just, uh, a lot of fun. Oh, so. fantastic. I want to stay with characters for a minute and... Uh... I just want to know, um, any original characters? Have you guys ever been inspired enough to go out and actually create a character of your own design and go out and, and actively cosplay that? <laughs> it's not complete yet, but I have attempted a original Star Wars Sith character. Um, I have a real issue, um, personally, with like doing original characters, I'm finding, because I'm such like a... I go off of creating something when I look at a picture, like sure. I use pictures as inspiration and yep. other characters as inspiration. 
Um, so for me to like take different pieces and try and put them together in a character, I feel like this character is probably going on over a year now of in the process of making, but I just like, I put it together and then I wore it and then I looked at it and I was like, this looks nothing like Star Wars. <laughs> and then I got frustrated and upset and I went and cried dead. And I was like, I spent oh. all this time on this cosplay and I freaking hate it. Like so much money and so it much looks time. Fantastic. I, <laughs> it looks fantastic. <laughs> so I'm like, I, it's good. And a lot of people have reached out to me and been like, no, like it, it works. There's different genres of Star Wars. So like it, it works with this kind of genre and, all this other stuff, but in my head, like, there's just this, like, mental block of, like, I'm going to post a picture, or I'm going to go somewhere, and somebody's going to, like, it's just going to, it's going to suck, or people are going to hate it, or they're going to be like, what is this, or they're not going to get it, and it's just going to absolutely crush my soul, so now it's it's in a box, gotcha. and I don't know what to do with it. Well, I would definitely encourage you. to you, wear it. <laughs> I, w I would encourage you to take the lid off that box, because if you're keeping up with what's going on in Star Wars these days, is anybody watching The Mandalorian? I'm on, I haven't watched the recent episodes. Okay. So. Uh, when you watch the new episode, pay particular attention to the dock worker and tell me what a Star Wars character is supposed to look like when you see him, because it, okay. will, it will blow your mind how simple the costume is. And I love it. Anyway, okay. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So original, original characters. Uh, anybody else got an original character in the works? Sort of. Um, I have done original designs, uh, and I've kind of taken them to art shows instead of taking them to conventions. Um, so I have a hobby of as well as wearable art. Uh, so I'll okay. take things that are not actually fabric and throw them together to make costumes out of something that's completely random. Right. For example, Apocalypta, which was a post-apocalyptic character. Okay. Um, and the costume was made out of melted trash bags and oh, wow. window screen. And um, I took that to an art show instead of, I, I don't think the conventions stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a little weird. A, a little, but that's okay. I mean, is there, a, there, I don't think there's really, and you guys would know better. Are there any real rules to cosplay? No. I, I didn't think no. so. I mean, I I feel like it's a pretty... It's a pretty open, anything goes kind of thing. No wrong way to do it. Yeah. And I guess this goes, my last question really on, on characters kind of goes back to what you were talking about, Amber, about uh, crossplay. And I guess not just necessarily crossplay where, where it's a, a gender swap, but what about, what about um, combining your fandoms into a single uh, costume? We see a lot of those. I've seen like, you know, the, the Iron Man suit that's in like, Boba Fett colors, you know, or, or, uh, Batman with a Captain America, you know, star on his chest, like just that kind of stuff. Do you guys kind of dip into that at all? Well, Ed, you were talking about mashing up a bunch of your jokers together. Yeah. Well, the one idea is, uh, I want to make my own version of Joker, but use inspiration from, you know, Jack Nicholson's version and Jared Leto's version and right. Keith's version and Joaquin and create, you know, what I would do as Joker. Um, I did have the idea of crossing. I love the movie Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Oh, nice. And I had the idea of taking Harley Davidson, so Mickey Rourke's character, yeah. because I love that. I love his look, like the leather jacket and the, and the 
you know, the motorcycle suit, yeah. but doing it up in Harley Quinn colors instead. Oh, wow. So it'd be <laughs> Harley Quinn Davidson. Yeah, yeah, and, that's really cool. Uh, so that was a project I had on the, you know, I had plans to do that project at one time. I have the leather jacket. I just haven't started to work on it yet. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, it's one of those I don't know by the time I'm done would anyone get it because, you know, just Harley Davidson and Marlboro Man is sort of a forgotten film now. Yeah, that again, uh, that kind of speaks to the it speaks to the uh, the age of your audience, I guess. Yeah, um, as far as other mashups, I I thought of doing. Uh, I had the ideas of doing the Magnificent Star Lord, so taking <laughs> nice. uh, Chris. Chris Pratt's character from the Magnificent Seven. Yes. And mashing it up with, with Star Lord. Star Lord. Oh, that's classic. <laughs> so that, that was another project I had on the go. Cause, but again, like if you didn't watch the Magnificent Seven, you wouldn't get it. But uh, I just liked, you know, Chris Pratt was great in that movie. Yeah. So I, I, I had the idea of, yeah, Magnificent Star Lord. It also, you know, it's night. It, it's fun to say. It totally <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Allison? How about any uh, any uh, mashups or or crossplay for you? Um. Well, I've had um some people suggest like uh I saw like a Elsa Star Wars crossplay there. Sure. I've had a lot of people basically just like reach out and been like, oh, you should do like a character that I've already done, but then like mash it with this. Oh, okay. Um. But she seems, I don't know why, but Elsa seems to be the most um, cross-versed, I guess, cosplay that people have reached out and been like, you should really do this with this character. So I'm definitely curious to try that because, I mean, Elsa is, I mean, it's a it's a good cosplay, but it's not a popular cosplay. It's popular in the party sense of I get a lot of birthday parties with it. Sure. But I would definitely love to do like a, like a, almost like a dark version of her with like the Star Wars kind of thing. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, I clearly have a, a thing for the dark side, so <laughs> we'll just we'll just roll with it. But no, I haven't haven't had too many mashups. Basically, after my original Sith character crashed and burned in my head, I've I've basically tried to stick to <laughs> characters that are true to itself. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, well, Allison, I do have a crossplay idea for you, but I haven't told you about it yet. <laughs> Oh my God! And you're gonna do it online to tell me about it? <laughs> well, I don't know. Is Maybe this the t- is this the time to reveal it? Do we want to reveal it to our listening? <laughs> well, audience? yeah, because like one of my favorite, one of my favorite characters to portray as well is Dum Dum Dugan, and the Helen Commandos has been a great team that I've had assembled. And I thought this morning, wouldn't it be awesome if you did a cross played Steve Rogers? <laughs> You know that in the uh, the Marvel, uh, the What If animated series coming, they're doing a What If Peggy Carter was Captain America or Captain Britain, I guess. I saw that and I love that idea so much. Yeah, Peggy Carter with Super Soldier Serum I think is a fantastic idea. Probably make for a great cosplay. They've already touched on Absolutely. it though in a future version. Have they? They have. Well, you would know better than me because I'm so out of touch with comic books. Guys, let's talk about uh, the the process itself. You know, we've got the inspiration, whether it's photos or original characters, and now it comes time to to build the costume. Ed, you'd already touched on uh, buying parts of your costume, and I know that that is part of it. How, what are your thoughts on the difference between a purchase costume or or building your own? And you know, is there you know what's what's acceptable and what's not in that sort of sense? 
Well, for me, at one time, I used to take pride that I built everything I wore, whether it was good or not. But really, over the last couple of years with work, I've just been so busy. So instead of cosplay, I've been calling it cosplay. I just uh, yeah. I've been buying my suits. You know, like Yon Rog, I just I just bought it and put it on. Yeah, I just I don't have a lot of time now That's when it comes down to building something anymore. So I either buy a completed costume or I buy all the pieces together and, and just throw it on. So I think, you know, in the, in the world that we live in today where the maker community at large and what the average consumer can do at home with a 3d printer or what basically what can be done at home, the fidelity on some of these pieces is like through the roof. So, I mean, buying a commercial piece or even a boutique piece from somebody's Etsy shop is completely, uh, you know, uh, a viable option. Well, and seven years ago when I started, what I was doing then when I was fabricating stuff, I could blow people's minds. Yeah. Like I fabricated an Ant-Man helmet out of junk. Oh, wow. And people were like, oh my God, I can't believe you do that. Now, you know, 36 hours on a 3D printer, you have something that you wind up on screen. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I've, sort of gone away from fabricating like I used to because I couldn't uh, and other other things like products like Warbla and all that kind of stuff didn't exist seven years ago right right so I when I started building helmets I was recycling out of items I could just find like batting helmets with with Iron Man masks screwed on and pieces filled in with bondos so which just don't look the same quality as what other people can do now. So I just kind of got away out of that. I saw a I guy. Buy completed suits. I saw, I know a guy who, who took a, like you said, a batting helmet or no, maybe it wasn't a batting helmet. It was a, a construction helmet. He cut the brim down and he turned it into one of the soldier helmets from uh, rogue one. And I thought, Oh my God, that looks so good. Like it just, again, amazing. Like with a little bit of improvisation, what you can pull off. But that, that, again, like you say, like, I guess time really is a, time is a constraint. And I mean, hey, if you have the money to throw at it, why not? I know I would. Yep. Yep. Ladies, how about you guys? What do you think about buying versus building? I mean, personally, I uh, make everything. Um, I've started off sewing, but then I've gone on to props and accessories as well. And it's amazing what you can MacGyver out of some things that you find outside and stuff you find at the hardware store. Probably my most impressive build was, it cost me maybe, maybe about 10 bucks to make. And I made a Grim Reaper scythe that has a skull and the rib cage attached to the handle with the blade. Oh, that's um, pretty cool. It, the most that it cost me was $10 because it, it was charged for the wood. But I found a stick outside that was the right curvature, and I used a styrofoam skull from the dollar store and just paper macheed the hell out of that thing, um, made the ribs just with pieces of styrofoam, and it looks like metal. And so, I mean... You can do amazing things with crafting things as well. I mean, yes, the technology has advanced quite a bit, but I mean, half the battle is like having fun with it and having fun making things. I as think well. you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, pre show, I was, when we were chatting sort of uh, in the green room, as it were, about how we were going to do the show, and I'd said I was looking for a creative outlet, and podcasting just happened to be it. But uh, prior to that, like going back to the toy thing, like, 
I know I've <laughs> I've combed like the value villages for like like just like throw away three and four dollar toys that I've brought home and I've you know dressed them up with you know burlap and given them a you know a different paint job and and then suddenly it becomes something else that can fit into my collection you know the way I want it to so I certainly have an a an appreciation for the whole upcycling element of that mm-hmm. for sure this episode of fandom power is brought to you in part by collectorsplatoon.ca collectorsplatoon.ca organizers of the annual toronto collectors platoon toy show check out collectorsplatoon.ca the canadian home of ian's display accessories specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales visit collectorsplatoon.ca today yeah, so um, we kind of touched on uh, uh, what everybody's got going. We've talked about uh, not being able to go to shows this year. I guess that's really kind of where we're kind of coming to the tail end of everything that I sort of we'd prepared uh, in terms of, you know, the, the prepared questions. I guess the last thing is to give props and shout outs to everybody. Um, so if people wanted to find you guys and we'll just kind of go around and we'll start with you, Ed. People, where can people find you online, and do you have any projects on the go you want the people to know about? Um, so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at No Hot Cosplay, and um, I also have pretty much No Hot Cosplay is my brand on everything. I've got a Pinterest page that I never use. I have a Tumblr page I never use, but uh, I'm most active on on Instagram and Facebook. As far as projects coming up, um, I got a Spider-Verse one that we're working on. And other than that, uh, a lot of photo shoots planned. So by the time you figure out all the photo shoots we got on the go, probably two years worth of content coming up. Oh, that's great. (laughs) You're a busy man then. (laughs) Yeah. Allison, how about you? Where can people find you? Um, I'm pretty much active on Instagram and, uh, I'm attempting this TikTok thing, but I'm not great at it. So if you watch my videos, don't laugh. I'm horrible. Um, <laughs> but you can basically find me at, um, Ali cosplay on Instagram. I'm pretty active on there. Great. And, uh, Amber, how about you? Well, um, I'm mostly active on, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, and that's as, um, Berlin Nova costuming and designs is just a play on my name for the for the name of it. And uh, what I've been working on, because it's been pretty quiet this year for me, um, I've been making a lot of masks instead of making cosplays and repairing the cosplays I do have. But I have the fabric to start working on Ayame Soma from Fruits Basket. So I've got fingers crossed on that one for when we can cosplay to events again. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to that day when we can all kind of get back on the show floor and uh, mix and match with everybody and, and see old friends. And I certainly feel it too. And I guess before we close it out, I just want to extend a warm thank you to uh, all three of you for wanting to come and hang out with us tonight for the last hour and kind of shed some light on the world of cosplay. Certainly uh, it was enlightening for me because the uh, closest I've ever gotten to it is Halloween. So (laughs) I just want to (laughs) say thanks very much for, Uh, letting me a little bit into your world and a special thanks to uh, producer Andy for putting this episode together. So um, again, thanks for being with us. I hope uh, you guys had a good time and uh, I hope you'd be willing to come back if we had some more stuff to talk about. Thank you so much. Yeah, I had fun. (laughs) Okay, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, guys, it was wonderful. Thanks so much. And bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Fandom Power. 
Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Newsflash, this just in. Stay tuned for the after show. Like I said before, we like to just leave things running, and if there's more to talk about, we can always okay. chitty chat away. Um, yeah. Amber, you're in Peterborough. Yes. And you're in Ellis. Are you related to Brian? No, unfortunately, um, <laughs> it's uh, it's married name, oh, and okay. uh, he's he's from the Havelock Ellises. Oh, fair enough. Okay, I totally <laughs> I totally nerfed on that one. I'm like, I wonder. I get asked that a lot, though. You well, why not? I mean, he's a Peterborough personality, so I guess it makes sense. Oh, for sure. Ed, you're Niagara, correct? Barry. No, I'm not. Oh, no, sorry. I'm Barry. Yes, you're you're Allison. You're in Niagara Falls. You guys yeah. both have done the convention there. I have. Yeah. To, that is my favorite convention to go to. It is my. It is <laughs> that my, was my first convention. It's my absolute favorite, and I say that because um, Fan Expo, uh, certainly yeah, from a dealer perspective is out of my league i cannot afford to do it so i just don't um but even as an attendee i would much rather drive the four hours from bob cajun to niagara to go to a, a show that's still growing but but yet still has a smaller feel to it maybe a smaller feel but it was still good oh like yeah this last one was my first niagara one uh last year yeah yeah and that was fantastic I know we had a great time. It's the it's the first time that I've gone to a convention where it's like we're getting a hotel and we're staying the weekend and we did the whole weekend. Really, <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. Nice. Yeah, no, that's a it's a really great one. I unfortunately haven't had the opportunity to go to a, a fan expo yet because um the one the first year I started cosplaying, I just couldn't afford it and yeah. I had a whole bunch of unfortunate financial stuff happen. And then I was planning on going this year and had my ticket and everything, and then COVID happened, so. <laughs> that that didn't happen so i'm hoping that 2021 is kind <laughs> you'd think that you know the conventions at least the the bigger ones would start making exceptions for cosplayers like they do for media but i mean the way i understand it pretty much unless you're like a you know a big name like and i can't even name other than uh, marie claude i couldn't tell you some of the other people who are big like but you guys you guys pay for your passes like everybody else right oh god yeah 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 it's funny too because it's almost like the show is getting like free entertainment. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, it's yeah. definitely been frustrating because like you, and it's funny because I'd even got an email from it wasn't long ago, eh, that you got an email mm -hmm. from Fan Expo and I was like, be a cosplayer at our show, and then they listed yeah. the guidelines and like oh, it was astro it was ridiculous. He was reading it to me. I'm like, what in God's name? Like. <laughs> Did they even get? Yeah, there? like they, they sent it out and you could be a cosplayer, but then one of the requirements is you had to fabricate 75% of your costumes. And you had to have at least two costumes oh, right. for the show. To break it I'm up. like, well, that, you know, that if I look at all 35 or 40 costumes I have, I sure. haven't fabricated 75% of them all. So. Were they going to offer you a uh, like a preferential rate? No, you would actually get, like, if you were considered you'd actually get a booth oh you so would you'd okay get, you'd get passes mm -hmm. and you'd get a booth but uh, i was online the other day and i saw that fan expo I... dallas was advertising their vendor rates and they were like hey covid special and it was like 
eight or nine hundred U.S. dollars for a for like a, an eight by ten booth or an eight by eight oh. booth. So then I'm like, I'm gonna check out the Toronto show. So I flip over to, and I don't know if the numbers are are like for 2021 or last year or what this year would be, but they were like twelve hundred bucks for an eight by eight booth as a vendor. Like, there's wow. no there's no way somebody of my my income level can do that as a as a casual vendor. Yeah, yeah no, that's a bit much. And that's uh, very expensive. With the oh, dollar yeah. conversion, though, it's probably pretty similar. It probably is, but I mean, how Still. is that? A, how is that a deal? Yeah. When I can go and do like a small a small toy show like uh the one in Quinty for, you know, sixty bucks a table. Do you know what I mean? Like I just I can't rationalize going to a a, a show for twelve hundred bucks. That's more than I would spend as an attendee. Well, then on top of that, say you did Fan Expo and you're twelve hundred a booth. Yeah, that still doesn't even include hotel and parking and food and oh, all you, that kind of stuff. You, so. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was speaking to a guy. There was a guy at Niagara last year who I recognized from the toy the toy show circuit because we've done a bunch of shows together. And I stopped to talk to him. We we talked to all the other vendors that we recognized. And we're like, hey, guys, what's it like to do Niagara? And they're like, well, this is a pretty good show to do. They were getting, uh, what did he get his for? 800, I think it was. 800 Canadian. But he's like, but if you need power, that's $150. And a parking space is another 50 bucks. So it's $1,000 for the weekend before you sell anything. But the one guy is like, well, I, he's like, I only live in uh, Oakville. He's like, so I set my booth up and he's like, I'm commuting home every night. I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't do it. I'd rather just go down to the falls, spend the weekend, be a tourist and just have a good time. (laughs) No, when it comes down to being a vendor and being a patron of a show, it ends up being cheaper just being a patron of the show. It really does though. And I mean, like, even then though. Oh, go ahead. Depending on um, what show, though, it can get pretty bright. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, my my eyes are often bigger than my wallet, so I have to be careful when I get out there. Yeah, even with convention rates, though, I I noticed that specifically Fan Expo, like they they used to be about one hundred and twenty dollars a night for the hotel rooms, and that was you know pretty reasonable for a five four or five star hotel in downtown toronto oh yeah that's um, good. but now they're charging just the regular rates for them so i mean yikes you know here we are in the middle of covid and and everybody's you know trying to uh you know make a, a living out of it and somewhere down the line the ultimate you know sentiment is somebody's got to pay you know there's like there's no there's no real relief and then there's no real incentive on the other side of it. So what do you do? Mm-hmm. And I think that's for me why I kind of prefer the, I mean, I love going to the big shows and, and, and having the, the celebrity experience. So it's a big part of it for me, but I am definitely okay with sticking to the smaller shows for my shopping needs. That's for sure. I find at the bigger shows though, you get a more diverse mix of the cosplayers. Oh, for sure. You which do. for me is fantastic. I love mm-hmm. seeing everybody's work and you know how they're expressing their fandom. Yeah. And grabbing a photo, you know, permission pending. Yeah, of course. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's always been one of my more favorite experiences of going to these events. It's good for you too, because I mean, as a as an amateur yeah. photographer, I mean, you're getting you know more, it's more uh, I guess shutter time. Is that is that the right term? <laughs> um, more practice. Anyway, I guess so. Yeah. It's, you're working under, uh, you know, not 
ideal conditions because your lighting is shifting from wherever you are in the building. Yeah. And I don't know, from that point, it's still fun though. Do you guys have a, a particular, do you guys have a photographer like that you prefer to work with or like somebody who does your photography for you? Um, I did have a specific photographer, but then I found that I was only getting specific kind of shots from that one photographer. And I was wanting a different kind of look or a different kind of feel to the photo. Yeah. So then I've, I've reached out to different photographers now and I've definitely gotten a different, different view or different angle point. And I think that it worked best too. When Ed and I did our Halloween shoot, we had two photographers there. Essentially it was uh Ryan and then his wife, Angela, she was, she was photo- photographing us as well. But the photos that both of them produced were fantastic photos, but completely different photos. So like yeah. basically our take of it was like, you got to work with different people to get different looks kind of thing. So I've tried to branch out more, I find. Cool. Well, like when we did our Halloween shoot, we're up in the barn, and my buddy Ryan is from one angle taking the shot with his DSLR. Yeah. And then my wife, she climbed up to the top of the, the mow, and she was just using her cell phone. But the angle that my wife got, it was – scary compared to the one that Ryan got. So, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Cause it actually looked like, like I had an ax in my hand. It actually looked like it was attacking Allison with the ax. Yeah. It was pretty terrifying. (laughs) And no cosplayers were hurt in the, in the shooting of this uh, photo session. Oh, he was hurt. He was hurt. (laughs) Oh Oh, yeah. No, I was hurt. Well, once for sure, the bruises, you know, it was like, it was like, hey, why don't we do this? You'll pretend to stab me like a, with a stick. And she says, like this? Yeah. Oh, right into the chest. Oh, no. <laughs> it was an accident. If anything, you were so in character that you just scared the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah. And then and then uh, we're up in the bar, and it was like, hey, how about this? We got a pitchfork, and there was a broken tine out of it. And I'm like, you can put that around my neck and pretend to push. So I have it, but there's enough of the tine that is pushing on my throat. And you I'm can like, still okay, feel you remember, it. Make it look like you're pushing. Don't actually push. <laughs> Made for some cool photos. That's awesome. Well, guys, I don't know what you guys have got planned for the rest of the night, but I think I'm I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, I, again, I just I sincerely want to thank you all for wanting to come out and and agreeing to meet with us. I know it was uh, not totally short notice, but it it's never it's never easy to try to put three people together who are in three different parts of the province, you know, at one time. So I'm glad that we were able to, mm-hmm. to make that work. Thank goodness for technology, right? Oh, I, I know <laughs> yeah, it. Thank God. When, it, when it works, when it works, it works well. And when it doesn't, oh, but yeah. <laughs> uh, we're lucky here. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're just really an upstart. We have a very inexpensive podcasting setup, but it, we're putting out some good stuff. I mean, the audio quality, on our episodes, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to listen to anything that we've done, but uh, the audio quality actually sounds pretty mm-hmm. good. So we're getting some good feedback. Yeah, and Andy's a fantastic editor. So um, try and, and bookend the whole show with some some uh, music and stuff, and it'll it'll have a very polished uh, professional uh, sound. So once that um, goes up, uh, Andy, I'm sure we'll be in touch with you guys with yep. a with a link, uh, and then you guys can share that out on your uh, on your social media. And again, like if you guys ever, um, if you guys are looking for an outlet, uh, you get stuff on the go, like don't, uh, hesitate to reach out to us. Cause we'd love to revisit some of this stuff and maybe talk more specifically about certain things. Like maybe, 
you know, we come back and do a Marvel episode and we we're talking about the MCU, like Ed and, and um, mm-hmm. Allison, you guys are, are pretty heavy into the Marvel stuff. It'd be great to have the perspective of a cosplayer when we do that, that bigger conversation, right? Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, I yep. very much appreciate I always it. have an opinion on something. Oh, that's great. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, the first time I met Eddie was in the Thor costume. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, again, guys, thanks very much. I hope uh, you guys are safe and warm wherever you are tonight. It's kind of blustery, so stay safe, guys, and uh, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks okay, for guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk again soon. Bye. Yeah, Bye. for sure. Okay. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye. 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 Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that, so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing, to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. When your show is ready... Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say?